back to the Slutrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, and today is the official episode one. Who's excited? We have a wonderful sponsor today, bladesforbabes.com. Always carry in case there's cake. Their products are intended to protect you while also being cute as fuck. But seriously, what else do you open your packages with? Bladesforbabes.com has a wide variety of rainbow weapons. Feel extra safe when you are walking down the street, walking to your car, while you're at work, because nothing feels better than being protected. So use code SLUT at bladesforbabes.com. That's S-L-U-T for 10% off your first order. If you'd like to be our next sponsor, or if you have any comments or questions about the show today, please feel free to shoot us an email at slutrepreneurpodcast at gmail.com. Today's guest, her name is Ivy, and she is a virtual dominatrix. I have so many questions that I can't wait to ask her. Welcome, Ivy, to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Excited to be here. So I want to paint a picture for the audience, if you don't mind telling us what you look like, how old you are. Um, okay, I'm 23 currently. I am a mom. I'm a military wife. I'm also uh, pretty tall, about 5'10". I would say I'm probably considered plus size in a modern clothing sense. Um, but for my height, I think it's well balanced. Um, I'm pretty heavily tattooed, though. And, um, my ears are stretched pretty large, so I'm like alternative in that category. Yes, uh, I love it. <laughs> would you consider yourself a slutrepreneur? <laughs> um, I would, actually. I've made... I've made my start with it and it's led me to be able to do what I love, which is art. Uh, now I make like pens and stickers and, you know, the Etsy trade of that. Yeah. Yes. So much respect for that. Well, I'm glad you're, you're in the club of slutrepreneurs. It's a fun little circle to be in. <laughs> so um, as the intro, everyone already knows that you're a virtual dominatrix or might I say retired virtual dominatrix. <laughs> yeah appropriate I think okay. that it's always a great option to go back to but <laughs> so I looked up the definition of a dominatrix and I found that it's a dominating woman especially one who takes the sadistic role in sadomasochistic, however you say that sexual activities uh, and for those who don't know what sadistic means it's deriving pleasure from inflicted pain suffering or humiliation on others which is lovely so for those who had no idea what it is that's kind of the dictionary definition uh, but from your perspective what would you define a dominatrix as <laughs> I feel like the especially virtual um there comes a lot of subcategories from that and people advertise themselves as such there's like fin doms which are just financial domination strictly so there's no exchange of physical torture pain anything of that sort it's just a hundred percent give me your money and I'll laugh at you in return <laughs> this is how you get my attention you know so there is like I think it can be anything from physical to mental, emotional. Uh, I think it's just having complete control over somebody in whichever retrospect. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just such like this underground world that I feel like a lot of people don't get to open the box and explore a lot. So it's it's so intriguing to me. Um, I myself, as, as we kind of discussed before, have done some cam modeling and there were so many different types of models. And then you kind of find this little taboo area of women who are just kind of telling men what to do. And it's really empowering, wouldn't you say? It is. And I think it's also really like gratifying to realize how many people want that experience out there. I think that men, the same women that women are taught to act a certain way in public, I think men are brought up thinking they need to be in control and leading. And at the end of the day, maybe that's really exhausting. Maybe they just want someone to tell them what to do. And that's a really great point. I think that there must be something psychological in a sense that make these men want to be told what to do. And my first thought is, you know, maybe it has to do with obviously the way they were raised or how their mother treated them. But do you have any insight as to why some of your clientele, you know, acted the way they do? I'm not sure if if they ever opened up to you that deeply. Uh, I wouldn't say there was a huge emotional side to it, but I do feel like a lot of it goes back to like in their personal lives, like they're either a very successful or like be in like a very long term relationship where they're like clearly married, clearly in like a nine to five corporate position job. And I just feel like they have such little control over their lives, but it's not in a way that they derive pleasure from, if that makes sense. So the idea of taking that control and using it for a gratification purpose, I think it's just so relieving because they're like, oh, I get something back from this now. Whereas the women that are telling them what to do in their day-to-day lives maybe aren't giving them that same sense of gratification. No, that That's a really great point. And you never would consider someone in a powerful position wanting to be submissive. Excuse my dogs in the background. This is the joy of being an at-home podcaster. Um, <laughs> So could you kind of tell the audience the difference between, I guess you'd call it a dom or a sub, that's kind of the abbreviation for a dominant versus a submissive, and then there's also the the switch role that some of us are very unfamiliar with? Yeah, um, I think that the dom role is the person giving out orders, giving... I think, honestly, people think that the dominant role is the more powerful, but really your submissive in a BDSM relationship is the more powerful one because they're the one giving consent. They're the one giving up the release of what to do or how to act or what to wear, what to spend their money on. I've had it to a point where somebody sent me their lunch money for the week and I got to like budget them like you get this amount per day. So they gave me that. I couldn't do what I do without them first giving me the consent and any exchange of power, be it money or even like what to wear or what to do today. So the submissive does have a lot of power, rather that's brought up in the right way or not. <laughs> well, that, but, that's a really good point. And then I guess that leads into this switch persona, which is obviously someone that can play up the role of both, I'm assuming. Yeah, I feel like in my personal life, I probably fall more into that category because like with my husband, I'm I'm not domineering at all. So that's why I think this job was so fun too in the retrospect because it allowed me to explore that other side of myself that may be dormant in my actual relationships. So I have to ask you what your husband thinks of all of this. <laughs> um, so when it first started, I kind of mentioned like, hey, there's, I had a friend who 
did some online work like this. She did what was called like Fins Dom. And that's all she did. So she was like, pay for my attention. That's all she did. She didn't like give them anything back. But that got me exploring like, oh, there's all this different things that people want and there's money to be made in it. What do you think? And he was like, I don't really want to know too much because he didn't want it to interfere with the way that he viewed me sexually. You know, he didn't want to think of it as like my persona was me. So I made a persona. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And, you know, ignorance is kind of bliss in a sense. And, you know, I remember the days where I had a partner while I was doing some camming and it was it was kind of the same scenario where they didn't necessarily want to know the details, but there was also something really interesting when, you know, you're about to do a show and you're like, Hey honey, I need, you know, 10 minutes of silence. Can you, you know, shut the door and let me be. And, you know, I always kind of, you know, as an emotional woman, you empathize with them. Like, I wonder what they're thinking while I'm in this room. But like you said, if there's money tied to it, I think it alleviates some of that concern. And there was always this kind of demeanor when I leave the room where, you know, you're finished and it's kind of a turn on to a partner as well, because you are all dressed up and done up and, you know, maybe a little hot and sweaty and, it's uh, it definitely takes a strong couple, I'd say, to be able to commit to this line of work or, or if one person's doing it in the relationship. Yeah. And I think being just a virtual meetup rather than actually like having to go out and meet with anybody or have anybody physically touch me or anything of that sort, I think does make it easier on the partners, especially guys. I just feel like as soon as it becomes like someone can physically touch you, I think they become a little bit more, maybe more simple like sensitive to it. <laughs> no, absolutely. So I guess we should back up a little bit and tell the audience what you were doing before this work and kind of what led up to it. Yeah. Um. So before I actually, that summer before I started like Twitch streaming, which not endorsing a certain site or anything, but that's like the most popular medium, I would think for video game streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a hobby. And I was like, why not? You know, I know a lot of friends who make funny video game playing and let's do it, you know? So I got up on there and then I started getting all these like private requests from people that were like, Hey, do you offer a B and C services outside of this? And I was like, well, never really thought about it, but I had somebody on my Facebook who did like Twitter. That's how she got a hold of that community and I'd had a FetLife account for a while so I'd known enough about the terminology and like the you know the drive to want these services I guess from that perspective so I was like okay it was a very easy transition to hop into that lifestyle from there. So besides Twitch like what other websites did you find to transition into this because I'm sure it kind of sparked an interest did you just Google how, like, what website could cater to this, or were you kind of using Twitch as an access point? I didn't want to use Twitch because they're not typically sex worker friendly. You can't, like, use their cameras for any sort of, you know, show, anything like that, which wasn't the work that I was doing, but that's not, like, the medium I tried to go off of. I just met people through there, and then they were like, oh, do you have Skype? Do you have Kick? You know, it led into what other social media points can I get a hold of to be in a private conversation with you too, you know, or to have a private interaction with you rather than like a group forum. Um, And so then Twitter is a huge one for the BDSM community. Uh, Twitter and then into Fat Life, which is uh, basically like a 
BDSM version of Facebook, if you can imagine that. It's lower key than Facebook, but yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so you never actually used like a webcam modeling service? Nope. Uh, I know there are a lot of people that do that, but I personally didn't offer cam shows except for like a momentary, like, and I think that's what led you into this like different arc of sex workers like it's not like I'm available at all it's not like I have a show it's not like you can share my attention or my time it's more of like you pay for my attention alone and it's also like you pay for my task you pay for my creativity in that sense so well that's what I was curious about because whenever I did a, a live show I was always scared that someone would be screen recording or that someone in my personal life would recognize me in the the open free ch- chat room which anyone can go into and it's it's exhausting to have to be on edge all the time you know if, if you do have another job that may not allow that so I think the the tools you were using was probably a sense of relief knowing that you didn't have to really publicly put your persona out there too much and risk that people could recognize you right and I tried to like I mean you do have to post some things with your face I know a lot of people try to get into this without having your face involved but that makes it very impersonal and it makes it a little bit robotic and it makes Mm -hmm. customers scared that you might not be genuine on who you are or that you're not 100% committed to this persona that you've made so you do have to put your face out there if this is a line of work you're serious about but I tried to not use the same photos that I would use for anything else um, so that you know if somebody were to image search me it's not going to pop up my Facebook it's not going to pop up my Instagram you know these are single use photos Um, Yes, that's definitely smart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I also tried to just um, not use my name or anything that may be indicated, but where I lived specifically, I would maybe change it to like a previous address or a previous like location that I've been in like a lot of my photos. Like I would say I lived in Florida because I have all these photos in Disney and I have all these photos in that kind of terrain because of where I live so I have like lots of palm trees and things like that even though that's not the state I live in it was easier to put Florida on my (laughs) Twitter just because it made sense and it wouldn't you know in my local area people weren't looking at me if that makes sense yeah absolutely so I I guess my next juicy question that I really want to know is how this whole tribute thing works because you know like you said this line of work a lot of it is not even very sexual. It's it's a lot to do with words and dominance and control. And we were kind of discussing how tribute was one of the, the, the highest paying ways before you even get to the next level with a client. So how exactly does that work? Like, what's the process in that? I think it started just because there are so many time wasters. There's so many people that just want free information or free photos or free time. And I call them like time vampires. Like they just want to talk to you and (laughs) give nothing back. So to wean that out before you even waste a half hour to an hour on someone, you say, I have a minimum tribute, uh, $20, $25. There's some that are really outrageous, like 50, you know, 100, more power to them. But you got to have a really demanding clientele for that 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 sounds like game of thrones or something (laughs) right yeah Yeah, it is it's like you know just a gatekeeper kind of sense like hey you know send this these are my payment methods you have those listed on your page you know if you want my attention you're going to prove it (laughs) 
So you yeah. put that up there and then they send you a payment confirmation in your DMs. Don't say hi, hello, just send a payment confirmation. It'd be like, thank you goddess for your time or like some sort of version of that. And that's how you get my attention. If that's not brought up and you message me first, you get blocked. And then you have on your public profile, like a tribute fee. And you also have a blocking fee, unblocking fee. So if you block someone and they're like, oh man, I really want her attention. They can pay double the tribute to get back in. I feel like this should be happening for everyone. I think everybody needs an unblocking fee on their profile. Wow. (laughs) Uh, So after you get through that initial tribute and it is a potential client, which could be short-term or long-term, what do you initiate as far as the next, is it like a task or, you know, what comes next since you are the one in control of where this relationship's going? I would, I have a list of things that I was comfortable doing on my profile that's public. So before they, you know, spend the money on the tribute fee, they could see like, hey, I'm comfortable doing humiliation, blackmail. You know, I have a couple tasks like task slavery is one of them that they call it it sounds so ridiculous um reimbursements pay pigs there's like lots of terms that you just kind of pick up from this community but here's my a b and c's that i'm comfortable with if this is something you're looking for send a tribute let's get this going you know um so they knew like from your profile like okay this is what i'm looking for and usually they'll come to you and be like hey i'm interested in like like sissification is one of them where you like make somebody wear girl clothes and you make them put makeup on and <laughs> so they'll come to you with a request after the tribute and you'll be like okay if you want to do that for me here's my fee i'll start sending you tasks you can check in with me daily um so yeah they, wow. they knew what they were looking for usually This just reminds me like back in middle school when we drag like one of our guy friends into, you know, our room and put makeup all over him for fun. Like it brings this almost joy. Like I couldn't imagine this almost like torture aspect that you have to apply to it. It sounds like it's definitely something you have to go outside of your, I guess, emotions and kind of like you said, if you have this alias, it almost makes it easier to be so forward and and aggressive, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of the uh, misconception though regarding domineering is that you have to be like mean or cruel. I think that is a lot of it, but uh, there's also like people that are very like warm and caregivering almost. And like, that's a relationship that a lot of people look for that they don't get in their day to day. And like someone that's considered a dominatrix Mm -hmm. having to like check in or having to do a task for them is almost like, you know, coddling a little bit. They're like, this is comforting. This is a routine in my life. So yeah, what you said that there were things in your profile, such as A, B, and C that you were comfortable with. Were there any deal breakers or things that you saw other girls doing that you said, this is a no-go for me? Uh, There's a topic called like home wrecking or like blackmail. And I think a lot of people are sensitive to that. And what they would do is they would send you things like their bank account number or like their social or like their credit card numbers and they would pay you to not use them. That's insane. That's just insane. (laughs) It is really scary. And it's a lot to have that information, you know, and you're like, I definitely wouldn't use it anyways, because I don't want to get in legal trouble. But I mean, if you want to pay me to not use it, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. that's, um, I I think that's kind of one of the most 
interesting things to me is the amount of vulnerability it takes for a man to not only do that, but to enjoy that. And I think, again, that kind of goes back to the psychological aspects we were talking about. Like, it's, wow, that's just insane. Uh, So I have to ask is when you're sending pictures, if you do, is latex something that's preferred by a customer or is there a different, is it kind of uh, per customer if, if they like different things because we all imagine you know black from head to toe with a, a whip and a mask right um I think a lot of the people that seek the services it, I hate to like stereotype anybody but a lot of them are very like foot oriented or like hand oriented or like mouth saliva oriented I know that sounds like gross but Um, most of the people aren't like wanting to see you as a whole they're like oh like you're controlling me you're stepping on me could you like just send me a picture of your heels you know like that's a big thing like (laughs) I hate to like classify like everybody who subs is in defeat that's not true but eight out of ten times I would say they were more interested in what kind of shoes I was wearing than what kind of full body latex I was wearing that day (laughs) that That's interesting. So did you ever have anyone like send you shoes or anything like that? Uh, A couple of different things. I got so many great stories for feet. Uh, It's so common. You would not believe. (laughs) So I'm I'm assuming you had like an Amazon wish list. Yeah, um, I did Amazon wish list. And what I did is I just made sure that my actual name wasn't on it. And then when you make a wish list, it is your address that it sends to you, but it's not public to them. They can see the city and the state but they can't see the address so that was a big thing prior to making it. I was really concerned about security obviously I was like oh but um, did a lot of reading talked to a lot of other people that are in this field Amazon wishlist was a great option for like shoes socks pantyhose even anything like of that nature like fishnets so how does it feel when a box of new shoes just arrives on your doorstep <laughs> um it's it's awesome if it's from your wish list. It's a little odd if they're like, I like this pair of shoes. Can I send that to you? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And they go in the not going to wear these later pile. <laughs> yeah, I've actually, I've I've turned so many down. I've been like, nope, that shit's ugly. Your taste is crap. You know? <laughs> yes, tell them like it is. So <laughs> I, I have to know, you know, aside from things you do want on your wish list, do they ever send you anything strange or do they ever ask you to send them anything strange? Cause I know that's a deal breaker for some people. Like they wouldn't want to actually send something personal, but you know, there is a price tag on that. Uh, yeah, for sure. There is. Um, I had one who was, he just liked being manipulated for sure. And I could tell that he was fine being treated lower than me. Like he wanted to be called dirt, things like that. Um, so he was very interested in socks. He wanted to purchase a pair of socks from me. Um, and he wanted them really dirty. He's like, I don't want nice socks. I want them like filthy, like dirt, filthy, like mud. (laughs) Yeah. Like walk outside in the rain and then like gross bag them up. Um, so what I did is I actually wore my husband's gym socks. He's in the military. So think about that. And I went and like, stopped around outside in the mud and my neighbors were looking at me like I was crazy, but I was like, yeah, <laughs> we're doing just, this. Just making money over here. Don't mind me. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, um, I put him actually in our cigarette, like ashtray outside. 
Are you sound serious? It sounds so gross, but yeah. And then you just back them up in a plastic bag and you send them in the mail. And when I sent them out, I just addressed them to the same person twice. So he didn't have my address coming from. It was just to and from his house. Um, and when he opened them, he said it was just dirt and like cigarette ash, like falling out of the bag. And he was like, thank you so much. He's like, I'm going to like rinse my mouth with them. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I like I've heard of girls who sell their panties and the guys will like put them in their cereal cereal bowl and send the girls pictures like eating you for breakfast. And I'm like, oh my God, like that takes so much energy. (laughs) It does. Like, how did you come up with that too? You know? But yeah, he used to like wear them on his hands and like walk around in them. So did you ever deal with like women or has it always been men? I had like a few women that came up to me before online. um, But every time I felt like they felt entitled to like either a discount or more attention or something of that nature. Because they're like, well, I'm a girl. And I was like, well, it takes the same amount of effort, you know? (laughs) That's a really good point. Like I could literally see myself asking for a discount, but I could also see myself (laughs) respecting the art and the work. And it's kind of like when you go into a strip club, like I'm going to strip the tip or I'm going to tip the strippers, if not more than the men, because you, you respect what they're doing, you know? Right. Right. I'm just like, they're more like emotionally needed too. I hate to put that title on somebody too, but it's like they wanted like messages throughout the day. And I was like, I'm not your girlfriend. You know, this is a, you know, a level of respect you have to have. I'm higher than you in this sense, you know, you're paying me. (laughs) No, that makes perfect sense. So have you ever had like your privacy violated by a customer? Is there like a moment you can recall where you didn't feel safe like kind of when your stomach drops and you're like fuck (laughs) (laughs) um I haven't had like any in-person moments of that sort um I would say that I had this one guy who was just very like attention needing and I actually had to evacuate for the hurricane that happened last year so I was in a vacation house and he was like well you know tell me like oh you're going to Disney like tell me what you need let me buy your stuff there and I was like I don't want to tell him what park I'm in you know, like, I don't want to, there's, you know, I don't want him to, like, be able to narrow my location down to, like, a specific spot. Like, Disney is huge, but being, like, I'm in Magic Kingdom, buy me a Dole Whip, like, that's very, like, you could narrow me down and pinpoint me. So, I was, like, no, <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. like, getting get yeah. on the app and just, like, sending them pictures of, like, general things, like, mouse ears or something of that nature, because I didn't want to be pinpointed to where I was at a certain time. That was scary, you know. And I think a customer or client, they can almost get angry when you're not giving as much of yourself to them as as they desire. And has there been a time where their anger has crossed the line to make you feel uncomfortable? Um, I think like I've had people that want more than just like a, and I think when you get into a commitment I guess I should say with like a dominatrix persona you're paying for like services or tasks that she's going to give you she's not gonna be your partner or a relationship or you know how cam girls are like excited to see you and you come back into the chat room and maybe they're like oh hi you know whatever your username is like there's a different relationship that comes in with like a power complex like it's like 
oh you're here finally you know <laughs> so I think yeah and if anything you just block them and then get your unblocking cash from that <laughs> situation <laughs> right and there's I mean there's a lot of guys who get confused and they're like oh well, like I want like full nude photos of you and I'm like that's not the service I provide here you know like exactly. you can you know what you signed up for <laughs> so on the contrary could you recall like the biggest client you've ever had or the highest paying job like was there ever a moment where you were you know like a holy shit moment this is this could pay the bills I had like I will say that like the lunch money every week with that particular person was really great to have because it was the most routine sense of cash if that makes sense like there are people that would just drop like a large sum at once but then you'd never see him again and then ghost and it's like well that's not satisfying <laughs> you know I would yeah. rather have somebody that gives $30 a week than somebody that drops $200 once and never comes back so how much energy would you have to put forth to have this be able to pay your bills or ultimately create a career a lot of energy it's a (laughs) full-time job for sure seven days a week (laughs) Uh, you you can't like the difference with camming is maybe you would have two days off or you know stripping you'd have two days off or anything of that nature Uh, you don't really get days off if you're an online dominatrix you know because you're checking your messages every day or you're posting new photos every day or you're posting you know task like I have a I have like a big set of keys uh, a big thing is chastity keys it's like people will wear a chastity belt and send you their keys in the mail and pay you to send it back to them oh my god <laughs> so I have this big set of like Halloween like dungeon keys and I used to like post videos of like ringing that and be like send me your keys you know things like that so it's like you're always thinking like oh like you're at a store and you're like oh I could use that as a prop you know (laughs) you don't like go back to human brain ever you're like always thinking I'm just trying to imagine what happens if you lose the keys like (laughs) I wonder what lengths they'd have to go to to take the chastity off gosh (laughs) right send me a hundred bucks so I can ship you these wire cutters So is it hard to separate business and pleasure in that sense? Like you said, when you're shopping, you kind of notice things that could be used for a prop. Like you're almost on 24-7, like you said. Yeah, um, it it is probably hard to separate yourself. But I think like when it came to like physical intimacy, it wasn't hard. Like my business brain was hard to turn off. But that's also just coming from like a type A personality. When you dedicate yourself to something, you don't stop thinking about it. (laughs) At the end of the day, I just have a, a real intimate emotional relationship that I can go back to that's very different from the work that I was doing. So Well, did it ever affect you so mentally that you had to go out of the way to do more self-care for yourself to kind of balance the, the emotions that take, that you'd have to go through to take on this job in a way? I think I had to get more routine with just scheduling posts or like doing posts for the whole week, maybe on a certain day, like, you know, not so much physically scheduling them, but maybe writing my captions out or you know, just writing things in my notes, my phone and being a little bit more organized about it. Because if I wasn't, then I was just on my phone all day. And it's like, you have to separate yourself, you have to separate yourself for your spouse and for your kids and for just yourself at the end of the day, you don't want to look at that stuff all day long, you know? 
So how, when you were saying you were setting your rates and your profile for someone that's new, what would you suggest for them to figure out how much they want to charge? You know, my kind of thing is to learn from other people, kind of watch and learn, you know, learn from their mistakes. But is there any sources where you can find this information for girls who are starting out? I think make a profile for yourself and your business that you're going to do and then make one as if you're a customer. So like look from the customer's point of view, what do you type in to find the service? If I was into A, B, or C, who am I going to, to find this? What are the top profiles doing? What are some of the newer profiles doing? What are like the people that don't have, you know, 50 million subscribers? Like what are the people that are in the low thousands? What are they charging? You know, cause that's going to be your most likely client base you know so okay. I think just looking at other people seeing what they're doing um but like most of the women in this if you are coming to them like hey I'm starting to do this most of them are really friendly and really open to talking or sharing like I was even in the kick group with other women in this field at one point where we would just rant about our day or like I can't believe this happened that sort of thing and then you know oh I don't know what to say to this person can you help me out like they were really open to talking about it so yeah, I think we definitely need safe spaces for women in, in this type of industry to be able to come together, whether they need help or resources or just to vent and get it out. And it it's definitely something we lack of on, on the internet, at least. So would you suggest, like you said, maybe Facebook groups? There might be, I know there's one app, I think it's called the Dancers Resource that might be uh, for for sh like strippers, but I think it's definitely something we need. I think it is, yeah. And I think if you can even find like one or two women that you feel close to in this field, or men, you know, but anybody that you can talk to and just vent, I think that's really important. But I also think it's you have to mentally separate yourself and not compare yourself to others because it's really hard to be like, oh, well, she charges less than me. Should I lower my prices? Like, no. At the end of the day, you have to do what what you're comfortable with and set your limits. And just remember that what you do isn't what somebody else is going to do. You provide something different than anybody else can. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. I was even thinking today as, you know, a former dancer or cam model, there's different things you can do, whether you're on a show or on stage to really slow down and take your time and use less energy to make more money. I think there's this art and this flow to your practice as to how you can milk as much cash from the customer. And I don't mean that in a negative way at all. I, it's kind of interesting how we shame sex, sex workers for that, but we would never shame like a car salesman or a realtor for trying to make the biggest buck that they can. Uh, but I do think there's, you know, different tips you could give to someone starting out as to how to make as much money possible, because I think girls just, or not girls, but women or men, um, at first they think, oh, I just need to give it all away. Like you said, you know, the client might want a, a full nude photo, but obviously you want to pull the reins back and say, you know, here's my feet first, we'll start here. So what would you suggest in, in that kind of conversation with the client, just your basic average client as to how to milk as much cash as possible? You know, because I think every new client is a new opportunity to, you know, like I said, get as much as you can. So what would you um, advise? 
Uh, it varies so much in this community because um, people want such different things. Um, but I will say that that tribute fee helps eliminate a lot of your time wasters for sure and helps you get started with, okay, this person's legit. This person wants to invest their time and their money and their energy into the service. So I'm going to give them as much as they're willing to put in, you know? So I, I feel like just understanding where they're coming from and what their particular fetish may be or, you know, why what brought them to you you know why did you like my page what enticed you find out you know and kind of work around what their desires are and pull strings based off of that yeah and I think like to making somebody into a regular comes from having repeat tasks or like things that start in their morning so like you have to say good morning to me every single day you have to write me every time that you eat tell me what you ate you know (laughs) Oh, this is so good. So how, like, how many years did you do this? I only did this over the course of, like, a year and a half, two years. And the reason being just because I don't think I realized it was out there soon enough. Like, I really didn't realize what a broad spectrum it was. I feel like I would have done this more in my earlier years before I got more busy, to be honest. (laughs) But I just didn't realize that it was out there and I didn't realize that it's accessible to every body type either you put this in your head like oh I have to be in latex and I have to be a size zero like you don't there's I mean there's grandmas who literally are in the same field (laughs) you're you're always someone's cup of tea or you're their shot of whiskey you know (laughs) 100 percent yeah (laughs) so did you tell your friends about this and did they live like vicariously through you I told like my very close friends who I knew weren't going to be judgmental. I felt like if it was, which I don't really keep company that's judgmental anyways, (laughs) but cheers. (laughs) (laughs) But I just made sure that like before I told them that I felt comfortable with them because I don't want to have to excuse myself at all or provide reasoning for my choices. Like I just want them to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. (laughs) No, but like, how does that conversation go? Like, Hey Sally, I need to tell you a secret. I'm a, I dominate in my spare time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my friend, uh, we'd worked together in retail actually prior to that. And she was like, you are like always really mean to those like assholes trying to return stuff. So I see where you get it from. (laughs) It's like, well, (laughs) I guess you have to have some of the traits naturally. (laughs) But she yeah, she took it really well, and I think she was very curious, and it was, like, funny to share those stories and be like, you wouldn't believe what happened to me today. It definitely beats your your retail stories. <laughs> so did you ever have a client ask you to do anything with a friend? I mean, I, I guess it's, I don't know if it's that, uh, if that happens a lot in that field, but I in cam modeling especially, I would get asked left and right if a friend would join me because sometimes my girlfriends would be over and I didn't give a fuck you know I would just have the the live show going because time is money and there was a an instant where and it was honestly my only humiliation show that I ever did where a guy wanted us to just make fun of him so we sat there fully clothed I think it was like a hundred dollar show and we just pointed and laughed at him and it was just (laughs) I mean, it's nothing near the experience you've been through, but it just always sticks out to me because it was so odd. And the fact that he paid more to have my friend next to me, it made it enjoyable for all of us. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, uh, the humiliation is a huge thing in that field. And it's, it's odd. It's not something I would think I would naturally would have ever wanted to pay for. So it's like strikes you as odd. Like, why does anybody want this? But yeah, <laughs> uh, I never had any like friend request because, you know, a lot of it's digital and you're not meeting up and they can't see you half the time. So I never really had that question pop up, but I did have like a lot of guys who were like, can I send you pictures of like my wife and can you make fun of her kind of things like that? Oh my God. I know. So awful. So So that's like a hard limit for a lot of people in that community. It's like the home wrecking thing too. And like just talking about somebody's significant other, it's like, it feels awful, you know? Uh, so you have to set your limits and where you're comfortable with that. But <laughs> another thing with like blackmail and home wrecking is like they would send you like their spouse's phone number and be like, she doesn't know I do this. Can you hold her phone number and I'll pay you not to text her photos of what I'm doing and things like that. Um, I mean, you can really make a lot of money that way. Like you could wake up one morning and say, hey, Sam, I'm I'm thinking about texting your wife. Send me a hundred dollars. Like, yeah. <laughs> holy shit. So I have to ask you out of this chapter in your life, have there been, and feel free to share one or two, but I'd love to know like just what the weirdest, like cringeworthy or strangest thing that has happened that you'll just, you'll never forget. (laughs) Um, I had this guy who wanted to send me his childhood stuffed animals and have me video record like ripping them to pieces or like stomping on them or putting them in the dirt anything I could think of to just absolutely like destroy his like Peter Rabbit childhood nursery stuffed animals and I was like whoa (laughs) so like how did you destroy them like were you like cutting their heads off (laughs) right um I ended up not taking the job because I he wanted like you know like my address I didn't have a P.O. box so I have had people send things to like my friend's address who was moving so I knew she wasn't going to be there for a long time so I've had people send things to a friend's location before that particular one though like I think he he wanted more than I was willing to get he was like and I want to send you like videos of what I'm going to do to them after you do that and stuff like that and I was like oh this is a little bit too much for me and like the price tag wasn't right but that's one of the oddest requests I've ever had for sure I was I was like scheming like what am I going to do to these things (laughs) oh my god I love that you're like the price is not right I love that (laughs) (laughs) so I know we talked about like telling your friends about this but I think everyone would want to know if you would ever tell a family member. And I think that comes down to if, like, obviously if your family is cool or not or open about that sort of thing, like sex positivity. It definitely comes down to the family members that you have, for sure. I'm lucky enough that, like, my parents are... My parents are divorced and my dad is like super open, super sex positive. Like, his, him and his new wife, they're, like, in an open relationship. Like, they're just very new age about all of this so that's another interview I love that (laughs) so I feel like they were pretty easy to be like hey I'm doing this thing you know and they just I think they were comfortable without like the specific details but like the funniest stories they like could appreciate like wow people are so crazy you know (laughs) I mean is that something you discuss at the Thanksgiving dinner table (laughs) (laughs) um on my dad's side yeah I could see it coming up (laughs) Um, my 
birth mother's a little bit more reserved so I kind of told her hey I'm doing these things and she's like well I just want to make sure you're coming from a place of self-respect was the you know and I was like oh I think I have to respect myself so much to be like I'm good enough that I deserve to be paid for it like <laughs> yeah I, I think for me the red flag was when everyone was like uh why do you have all of these nice things and you're not working <laughs> that was funny um but did you ever feel uh I guess my question is did you ever feel ashamed from what you did or were was it the complete opposite were you just totally empowered by it and if someone starting out did feel ashamed what would you suggest for them to do to to absolutely not feel that way I think when I was starting out, like it's a lot slower and I wasn't sure of what I was going to do with my, you know, let's say brand or persona. Like Mm -hmm. I started off just offering everything because I didn't know what my personal boundaries were yet. And I didn't know what was going to be successful for me. So I was like selling photographs and videos and just things that I wasn't like excited to do every day, you know? And I think so the money didn't feel worth it when you're doing things that weren't in your spectrum. Uh, mm-hmm. When when you're comfortable with your limits, then it's totally empowering. And you're like, wow, I'm doing this thing and I'm making money for myself. And all I have to do is put pajamas on and be mean to people. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I myself always felt empowered and a little superior in a way when that cash flow was coming in. And there was something about when I was at like the grocery store, like Harris Teeter, every time I'd open my wallet to pay, there'd always be like ones falling out of it. And there was something like hilariously amazing about that, (laughs) that no one really can relate to a lot, you know? Yeah, for sure. I love it. So why did you decide to stop? Um, I think, uh, well, I got a full-time in real life job. (laughs) And what made me want to do that was just because I was home a lot and I missed people so much. Um, Being an online dominatrix, you don't meet people, you don't see people, you're just, you know, chatting or texting or small videos, things like that. So it's like you miss the human interaction. And a lot of these people who are buying don't feel quite human because they like want to be disrespected. You're not putting on the cordial face, you know? Yeah. It's almost like you're stuck in this little bubble you created and the outside world is almost, it, it, it weighs down your social skills. and, And that's something I can totally relate to, even if it's not dominatrixing, but just social media work and working from home, it definitely takes a toll on on your social skills and it can create this anxiety when you aren't in the the real world as often as as the average person is so that's definitely relatable yes I was like exhausted having normal conversations at the end I was like whoa this is like emotionally tolling and I was like okay I gotta get out there <laughs> yeah so do you have any last words of wisdom for anyone out there who's interested in becoming a virtual dominatrix <laughs> I think just do it I think don't hold back and the sooner you get your feet in there the sooner you see how to interact with people there is no training course there is no how-to manual you just have to talk to people and figure out your 
key, you know, like what's going to make you stand out. So yes, trial and error, baby. I love it. Well, that will wrap up our show for today. That's all we have time for. And thank you all you sluts for listening and huge thank you to Ivy for being our very first guest and sharing a very intimate chapter of her life. And that is all today for the Slutrepreneur podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a five-star review on the iTunes application where podcasts are played. And if you'd like to follow more slutty adventures, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Slutrepreneur. That is spelled S-L-U-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. And if you'd like to be our next sponsor, if you think you have what it takes to be on the Slutrepreneur podcast, give us a shout at slutrepreneurpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, you nasty sluts. I'll see you on the next one. Bye.